Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Liberty 101. Um, I'm Christine. If this is the first time you're checking this out, uh, welcome here at Liberty 101. We like to get back to the basics. Um, tonight's guest, I have Adam Reinhardt, who has been on previously, um, who is a Lutheran pastor, if I remember correctly. And uh, we will also have Ozzy on tonight, who is a clergy of faith as well. Um, and we will be talking about issues like Roe v. Wade and some other things that kind of correlate with that. So before we get into all of that, let me make sure that we do our advertisements. Uh, the Libertarian Veterans Caucus, excuse me, leading libertarians to veteran issues and leading veterans to libertarian solutions. James Toller for Kentucky. He puts people over politics. Donate today for Toller at Toller4KY.com. That's T-O-L-L-E-R, the number 4KY.com. And Chris By for Alaska's congressman. To learn more about him, please go to itstimealaska.com. And as always, to find more of Not A Real Libertarian podcast, go onto any of these platforms um, and check out the different podcasts that we have here, which is like Not A Real Veteran, um, Not A Real Libertarian, and a lot of other ones that are blanking for me at the moment. Um, but there's that. So let me bring on my one guest. Our other guest is going to be just a few minutes behind him. Hey, Adam. Hi, Christine. Thanks for having me back again. Say hello to Jack. Jack has been Hi, Jack. Uh, very much in my space since I got back from my travels this week. Uh, so he's going to be very intrusive tonight. I hope that's not going to be a problem. But that's he's my, he's that's my sweet with me. <laughs> then we at least have someone cute on the screen. That's right. So something to distract <laughs> from this ugly mug. <laughs> Just kidding, just kidding, of course. So while we wait for Ozzy to get on, I I wanted to flash back and go in time with you for a second. Did you get any Facebook memories this, this past weekend? <laughs> well, I have not been very, uh, very up to date on my Facebook stuff because I've been in Arizona since uh, this past Wednesday. Just got back to Pennsylvania today. Uh, I was there for my best friend's wedding. It was uh, an enchanted affair. It was really magical. Um, getting married in uh, in Sedona, Arizona, in the in the shade of the most beautiful rock formations you've ever seen. Really terrific stuff. But no, I, I did not 
really notice any Facebook memories pop up. What did you see? I imagine that your your events this weekend were much more enjoyable than our events were last year this week this past weekend. Oh, is um, this the weekend for convention? <laughs> yeah, this is the weekend of convention last year. You know what? Mm-hmm. Uh, last year's convention, I will say, was uh, considerably more enjoyable than uh, than this most recent this convention uh, for obvious reasons. Um, although, you know, last year. This weekend, you know, I was elected Eastern Vice Chair of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania, and I wish I could say that that was a proud moment. And it's not not a proud moment for some of the reasons that my my critics think it is. Um, I looked at a party that was just critically broken. Um, the screaming, the the vitriol on the convention floor. Um, you know, it, it was all just so, so dark that when me and my friends kind of walked away victorious in the elections, uh, it didn't really feel like a win. You know, I do think that the people who were elected were the best uh, for the position. All of them, everyone who was elected that weekend, I, I feel like were the best people to administer the party, even if some of us have kind of grown apart from others. Um but really professional, really solid, really good people won that weekend in the face of others who were only kind of running, uh, you know, to spurn the old guard, to spurn the people that they, uh, they that they felt, you know, um, were incompetent or corrupt or whatever word they like to use, depending on how it fit their narrative. Uh, it's a good thing they lost, but there were so many people caught up in the crossfire who, like, yeah. that kind of deeply hateful uh war uh, just was so off-putting we lost people you know people left yeah, the party we absolutely after that did. convention and uh it's not because of who won or who lost but it was just such an ugly event um i really loved seeing my friends i really love seeing you uh and and everybody else i care about in the party um i had some very pleasant conversations with with my critics uh some of whom i'm still friends with and some of whom i'm i'm very much not uh but overall it was like so bittersweet you know i wanted yeah i wanted the position because i really believed in the party and i really wanted to do the best i could for it but that event and several events that summer um really led me to to not feel very safe being emotionally invested in the party and that led to some of my own performance failures i think because i was just so disillusioned with the whole thing you know pretty quickly um but all that being said it was a whole lot more joyful than this most recent convention that's for damn sure well i bring it up and people are probably like why are you talking about last year's convention when lppa already had theirs this year there's a reason because Reno is coming up for the LNC and I know that it's going to be a crap show there. And I'm look, I'm so happy. I'm not going to be there, <laughs> um, but yeah. I know that at convention, they are talking about planks and removing a certain plank from yep. the libertarian platform. And that's why I wanted to bring up and kind of go down memory lane with you on our convention and how, 
you know, hostile was last year. I mean, I personally was, my integrity was questioned by someone who never even had a conversation with me, uh, <clears throat> Joseph Ann Wagner. And, um, and my integrity was questioned by somebody I've known for years, Ken Krawcheck, you know, on the floor of the convention, yeah. suggesting that I was doing something shady because I was doing credentialing. I had been doing credentialing at the at Libertarian Pennsylvania conventions like four years running, you know, so it was like I did it because I was one of the only people who knew how to do it. Right. It's And, yeah. and when you, you know, you can audit the work we did, you know, everything's out in the open. It's all in the CRM. Yeah. You know, uh, we only denied people voting rights who were not in the shore system. And that was a call that the committee made. Uh, yeah. You know, people go around saying and I was like, on that I committee. Made... So yeah. you were on that committee, right? People were going around saying I mm -hmm. made that call myself. And where that rumor comes from is, you know, sitting at the credentialing table, trying to get the line moving as fast as possible, because there was a long line and we were already late for business. And so yeah, I was like, we were not, super late. I was not dealing with anybody who was giving trouble. Like, you're not in the system. You're not getting credential. Like, have a good day. Yeah. I'm sorry that you didn't think it was important enough to pay attention and change your registration in time. But like, we're not having this conversation. And it was Ken Krawcheck and Michael Heiss that got in my face and tried to hold up the line. They're like, who made this decision? And I'm like, you know what? I did. Right. Because as the chair of that committee, it was my mm -hmm. job to take the fall. You know, it was my job to, you know, the buck stopped with me. Don't be mad at the committee. Be mad at me. That was my job. It was my job to be the sponge for all that anger. And so I just, yeah. just to get them away from the line so it could keep moving. I said, I did it. Right. And so <laughs> I guess I, I reap what that put I a big target on you. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, put that target on me. I can take it. I don't, I don't want the other members of the committee to take any heat. Uh, you know, but all in, all in retrospect, I'm glad I did it. Uh, there are some people who to this day still think I'm a scummy, shady person because I said what I said and uh, Heiss and, and Krawcheck did what they did with it. Um, but these are people who knew me a long time. I mean, I didn't know Heiss very well, but I knew Krawcheck for years. You know, I'd been on his radio show. I, I volunteered for his campaign a little bit. We ran together like I was running for state senate the year he was running for governor. Uh, and we, we, he didn't really support my campaign, but I, I supported his campaign every chance I got on social media, in person, you know, handing out literature. Um, and I earned him votes and he turned around and, uh, you know, kind of did me dirty right there on the, on the convention floor. Fortunately, anybody whose opinion of me I care about knows the truth, you know, about who I am mm -hmm. and how I operate. Um, but yeah, it was, it was crazy. Uh, it's just, but yeah, getting, getting back to what's coming up and the, and the planks, you know, it couldn't be more uh, timely that at the moment when we find out that there are people in the Supreme Court getting ready for a fight over Roe v. Wade, uh, we're having, you know, battles within the Libertarian Party to remove our uh, abortion plank, you know, from the platform. Hi, Ozzy. Hey, Adam. Hi, Ozzy. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. I'm good. I didn't mean to cut you off, Adam. I just wanted to get Ozzy in here so oh, he could be a part of the conversation too. Um, but no, Sometimes you're I you're absolutely right, Adam. So feel free to cut me off. That's why I wanted to address, you know, the 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 memories of Facebook because that that 
convention really led to a spiral of the LPPA. And with Reno coming up for the LNC of the, of, you know, Libertarian National Committee, you know, we're going to see a spiral effect on whoever wins. And I think one of the main things is the plank of the abortion plank on the libertarian philosophy. And it is very fitting and timing that it's happening right at the same time as the Supreme Court ruling, you know, leaked ruling, uh, potential ruling, I guess, is the technical term. And, you know, I, I have so many feelings. I mean, from my religious aspects to my personal aspects to my personal experience aspects, you know, I, and that's why I appreciate both of you being on tonight so that we can talk about, you know, religion in general. And then, you know, these topics that really come back, um, to religious views, you know, a lot of people have their stance on abortion because of their, their faith. And so I appreciate you being on, um, Ozzy, before we get into everyone, Adam's been on before they know who he is. Mm -hmm. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, you got into the Liberty movement and, uh, you know, your expertise. So I'll address the last point first expertise. I would say I have none. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I got into the Liberty Movement in 2016 through the Gary Johnson campaign. I was I was a Republican because my parents were Republicans in my community, uh, very religious, mostly Republican. Uh, they're, I should say they're often re registered Democrats because I live in Baltimore, and that's how you get into politics here is you're a Democrat. But they're Republicans in in, in like in how they vote, how they think. Um, so that's how I was, and it just it never made any sense to me. I remember. Um, there were a couple votes in 2012 or 2014, the first couple elections I could vote in. And it's like, why are we against legalizing marijuana again? Why is that a tenet of the religion, apparently? Or it's something we're, we're supposed to be very angry about? Or they, there was a bill to legalize sports gambling. Uh, and that, that, again, that was something that everybody said, no, no, we have to be against that. Why? And there was never really a good reason. It's bad. Um, and then 2016 came and Trump came along and that was, that was no thank you. Run, run screaming, basically. Um, so that's how I got the Libertarian Party. 2018, 2019, I started trying to get more involved. Um, I actually was the cha was the uh, chairperson for the Jorgensen campaign in Maryland in 2020, um, which, I mean, there wasn't a ton for us to do. She had one small event here, but it was, I mean, it was, I kind of got thrown in head first. I, 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 said, I said to a bunch of people, I, I did that because nobody else was willing to do it. I'm like, I'm not, I have no qualifications. I have no experience, but sure. If you need somebody to do it, I'll do it. Um, and then we got the last couple of years of the LP and kind of exiting that mess. Um, trying to stay involved. Well, we in will welcome you. What? We will welcome you to the Keystone party. Just I'm already, throw I, that out I, there. I, I think I'm the only Maryland member of the Keystone party. <laughs> if, that, if that means yeah. anything. It does mean something. It does. As as a founding member of the Keystone Party, it does mean something. <laughs> so, Adam so can attest. We're talking. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. We're talking religion tonight. Um, and I, we, I'm a Christian. I'm a Methodist. And Adam, who's on this side, I guess. Um, you know, has talked about his Lutheran faith. Um, give us some background for you on that. So I'm Orthodox Jewish. Um, that's okay. that's pretty much the defining factor of my life. If you know me outside of my community, that's from what I wear to one day a week, I'm, I'm offline. I don't, not using electricity, not driving my car every Friday night, sundown to Saturday night, about an hour after sundown um, to 
praying three times a day, what food I eat. That's pretty much, I, I say, the defining factor in my life. It's not something I think about because it's just that's how I've lived for, for my life. Yeah, it's just your life. That's that's interesting. Um, I you know I grew up with some Jewish aspects to my life because of my dad's girlfriend at the time and everything, but the in-depthness of an Orthodox Jew, I have no no knowledge of all of that. So um, I'm interested in hearing more about you know from the views of that tonight. So thank you again for being on. Um, thank you for having me. I'm not sure where to start on all of this because i feel like it all kind of goes together so Christine, um, out of, you know a fun anecdote yeah. so i had known ozzy through uh, various online circles for a little bit before i ended up meeting him in person uh we were both uh pragmatist caucus coordinators we were both gary johnson people we ran with some of the same people on social media and so i i already knew i liked him before i met him and I went down to the Maryland convention to, uh, to table for the Pragmatist Caucus, hoping to meet him, uh, only for him to inform me that uh, because of his religious obligations, he had to miss the convention. Um, and I was I was struck by that, you know, because you get so lost in some of these political things and it becomes so much part of your world that, you know, for him to have a grounding that says, no, there's something that trumps this. And it's, you know, whatever the consequences may be, I'm, I'm sticking to my, my deep, deepest held commitments. And uh, I, I immediately respected him for that. Fortunately, you know, once the sun went down uh, on that Sabbath, he was uh, able to, um, you know, come out and, and catch some of the after party uh, where the convention had literally fallen apart you know, yeah, I, I got there as you guys were going out to the parking lot. I missed all the fun. So you got you to say what happened because that that was something. It was an absolute glorious shit show, if you might forgive my language. Uh, the national coordinator of the Mises Caucus got so stone cold drunk uh, that he fell down, smashed his head. And when people tried to help him, he became like violent and belligerent and they called the cops on him. And they shut down the whole convention and it was just a glorious disaster. Uh, <laughs> and and then in the midst of all of that, as I'm like saying, ah, I guess I'm going to leave now. Ozzy rolls up and I, I pull up in the parking lot. There are five cops and everybody's outside. I'm like, what is going on? What happened here? So it was a it was a brief. You weren't meeting, there. You weren't there, Ozzy, brief. to regulate everything. Yeah, right. Yo, yeah. <laughs> I definitely would have stopped that so, train. So I've got a couple I've got uh the lunatic lun, lun, lunatic lunatic lunatic, I don't know. Lunatic libertarian um over here posting a bunch of stuff. So I wanted to bring this one up. Um when your blood goes against my blood, as far as religious conviction and faith, where do my fellow libertarian Christians think? I'm not even sure how to interpret that question. Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, I'm not sure either. So I'm hoping <laughs> lunatic. Oh, crazy libertarian. Gotcha. Um, so I, that's why I wanted to bring it up because I wasn't entirely sure what he was going for. Um, this was prior to it. I literally, literally, I knock out six foot six bootleg and thirds political event fighting for freedom is currently only an idea how do we manifest our reality so i wanted to bring a few up in case <laughs> he's really living up case, to his um, name there 
<laughs> he really is. Um, he did have this question, which I thought was a good one. Why are Republicans and Democrats political agenda, not public information 24 seven? That's a great question. That is not a crazy question at all. Um, but I think that that's why we're fighting them <laughs> because they're not transparent. Well, the um, platforms are public, you know, their, their process of amending the platforms at their conventions are public. Um, you know, but, uh, Obviously, the upper echelons of both of those parties have leadership with their own kind of private agendas. And uh, that is whatever, like Mitch McConnell or Nancy Pelosi say it is. Uh, Isn't the GOP the platform goes. still the same as it was in 2016? If I remember correctly, they didn't, they didn't amend it in 2020. Right. Probably not. We and didn't it's get stuff to like it free trade and, and immigration. It's like, wait, you spent the last several years doing the exact opposite, but they left it alone because they don't care. Yeah. So the, the crazy only... libertarian says this. What? <laughs> I'm here to I'm here to expose comments. That's all. That's all I'm here for. Um, <laughs> so, you know, let's. I think we jump right in. Um, I'd like to talk about Roe v. Wade first because I think that that can go into you know when we talk about that and we get into how people identify with this you know with the stance of it whether pro like for or against. Um, I think that that kind of goes into then speaking about the specific different platforms of women's rights and abortion and things like that and how people, you know, associate those with their faith. So Ozzy, what was your take um, on the leaked ruling potential, potential ruling, I should say. We had some inkling something like this might happen and everybody, there was a lot of, well, they're not going to change anything. Um, it's, it's not something that I view as a positive for a lot of reasons. Uh, there's there's a libertarian argument to make that that uh, Roe v. Wade is the the Supreme Court making law, and that's a bad thing because the law should be should be the, the Constitution and the states, and it, you, there are lots of arguments against it. To me, it comes down to there are reasons, there are legitimate reasons women need to get abortions, and they need to be able in those cases they need to be able to get them. Um, yeah. Of the religious side, I, it's the uh, Jew, Jewish religion. The, the most important thing is, is the health, life, health of the mother. So any 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 time where that could be at risk, where or not even at risk, where it has to go, they have to go through channels to get approval for an abortion. If if they're if it's an ectopic pregnancy or whatever, the fact that they're we're, we're entering a possible a world where that's possibly the case is scary. I have a wife of two of two daughters. It, it's a little scary. Now I live in Maryland. It's not going to nothing's going to change in Maryland. But I know people who don't live in Maryland who live in Texas or Alabama. It, it's scary. Yeah, so, I know. Real quick, uh, Ozzy, I'm in York, so I'm only about forty minutes north oh. of you. So we should definitely get together and hang sure. out and do some Keystone stuff. But anyway, <laughs> um, go ahead, Adam. Yeah, I, I would echo a lot of that. I mean, this is kind of. Uh, scary territory i mean there's two ways to approach it for me and one is of faith and one is of politics you know the the political side of things um you know anybody this is where i get like really mad at the democrats for not being good at the things they're supposed to be good at like the, the nomination process uh for supreme court justices under trump go ahead chelsea you're fine um you know they the, the question came up to every single person who got nominated to the Supreme Court and ended up getting approved 
with, I mean, it wouldn't have gotten approved without the Democrats. Um, you know, what do you, where do you stand on Roe v. Wade? And they said over and over and over again, it's settled law. And, and the Democrats acted like that was like, oh, they're not going to change it. Well, no, that, I mean, saying it's settled law is like just making an observation like the sky is blue. You're just stating a fact. It, it's not saying I'm going to make sure the sky, the skies stay blue because the Supreme Court, the thing that these people are being nominated to is the one entity that can unsettle settled law. Right? That's what they're there for. And so without a, a firm commitment to keep that law settled, the Democrats should have never approved these people. Um, and and they, they just they, they snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory every time. And it's like really frustrating. And one of the big reasons why I like had so much hope for the Libertarian Party and want to see like a really strong third party rise because <laughs> somebody has to like know what they're freaking doing when it comes to standing for human rights Um you know, there's the constitutional argument, like, you know, is it the Supreme Court's jurisdiction to make abortion law? Well, well, yes, when we look at the, the very basic tenets of our of our governance, you know, we are each endowed with inherent human rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of our happiness. You know, if we have life and, and governance of our own lives, and we have liberty, you know, to make our own decisions, you know, we, we have decisions over uh, what we do with our bodies, including what we let live inside of our bodies. And that's not even getting into the question of, you know, when human life begins, when personhood begins, and, and therefore when human rights uh, are to be protected. Um, even if, even if like when that sperm hits the egg and immediately it just becomes a person, like let's just assume that, which I think is nonsensical, uh, it would still be the, the person's, uh, you know, choice whether or not to let another life form live inside of them. Right. No, no one should be obligated to be an incubator for another being, you know, and that might sound harsh. It might sound surprising coming from a clergy person. But, you know, even if I shared the position of many of my fellow uh, Christians that life begins at conception, it wouldn't matter because ultimately a woman owns herself, you know, a trans man owns himself and they, they own you know, all of the organs inside of them, they, they can determine whether or not they want another being living inside. And uh, and it's just abhorrent to me that the state is pur purporting to, like, claim ownership of the bodies uh, of, of women all over the country. It's just it's psychotic to me. And we can get into the religious side of things, too, because I have a lot to say about um, what the Bible actually says about this <laughs> issue. You know, and Ozzy well, probably has no. another perspective on that as well. As an Orthodox Jewish person, he probably has a very deep understanding of the Hebrew scriptures as well. You know, I, uh, I've, I've been doing a lot of research and, and seeing a lot of TikToks of people's personal views and opinions and stuff. And, you know, they technically have that seat for life unless they're not, unless they commit, you know, a crime while holding that seat. And an argument can, you know, I've seen has been made that, be, you know, like you were talking about, about how they <laughs> were on under oath, basically discussing their stances on the issue that now changing their mind could be an argument for perjury, which would be a crime committed that, you know, some argue could, you know, 
disqualify disqualify them from being able to sit on the Supreme Court now. And I wanted your kind of, you know, your, your both feedback on what you thought, because, you know, I have my own thoughts um, and I'll hold that. I'll reserve those um, to kind of, you know, not persuade you one way or the other, I, you know, but I thought that that was a compelling argument initially. I'm not a legal scholar of any kind, um, but I, I do follow a lot of I follow a lot of lawyers on Twitter. But no, it, it's it, it's I, I like I'm interested in that that in that stuff. It's often tells us a lot about what's going to happen um, in the country and in our lives. And I saw that theory bandied about, and it was very quickly dismissed as first of all, they didn't really say we're not changing. Like Adam mentioned before, they didn't right. say straight out we're not changing that. And even if they had, it would be very 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 difficult and basically not happening for them for even if they said an outright lie in a hearing they're not going to get prosecuted they're not going to get removed from the court um there's slippery slope arguments there's but they they, in a practical legal sense it's not happening yeah so thoughts adam like i said before they they pick their words very carefully and uh people who didn't immediately pick up what they were actually saying you know in all of those uh, hearings before the Senate. I mean, they're they're just foolish. I mean, like again, to say, oh, Roe v. Wade is is established law. Well, yes, I know. Yes. Do you intend to keep it established? Because you're the you're the one entity that can de-establish uh, federal law, and that's a lot of power that the Supreme Court holds. And there is some wisdom to what the founders did there, uh, you know. But as libertarians, we always have to be very skeptical uh, when people are pursuing such incredibly powerful positions. And so, you know, if I were in the Senate, uh, anyone who did not make a very firm commitment to protect Roe v. Wade and not just acknowledge that at the time being it's established law, they're getting a no vote from me. And principled people would have voted no on uh, Amy Coney Barrett and Kavanaugh, um, maybe even Gorsuch. I don't remember what Gorsuch's words at the time were, but, you know, for a for a Republican, he, he does tend to be fairly liberal in the classical sense on a lot of positions. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, anybody who's surprised by this shouldn't be, you know, like this was always the goal, right? When, when Trump selected yeah. these, these nominees, the machine, and he didn't select them. The, the Republican machine that supported Trump selected these people, you know, uh, Gorsuch was a concession to like buy a little goodwill, buy a little political capital, and the other two were just absolute abominations that they got through because it's like, well, we, we made concessions with Gorsuch and, and, you know, now you have to, like, make concessions for us. And it's like, no, we don't. I don't no even think there were concessions. To. If I remember correctly, both those votes were straight party lines. So they didn't need concessions. They have 50, 50 plus one and that's all they need. So Did, were, there, were there no Democrats who, who supported I don't uh, if, if there were. I mean, they didn't need any Democrats to support. I don't remember if there were any. Yeah, maybe Manchin. You know, my response. Yeah. My response. You know, after I thought about it, my response to that theory that you know that strategic thing that they were trying to think of um, was that people's opinions change over time. So even if they, you know, at the time, you know, really did think that they could uphold it and everything like that, you know, their opinions may have changed as they, you know, either got balled out or, you know, or just matured one or immatured, I guess, in the sense. You well, know, it's, it's, they put up their finger the way the politics are blowing and they realized, you yep. know, what was now possible and 
what was expected of them from the constituencies that put them there. I mean, the whole idea of a lifetime appointment is so that, you know, the Supreme Court could be disentangled from politics, you know, partisan politics anyway. And it has not played out that way. Um, they owe nothing, you know, to the, the people who put them there because they're there for life. They don't need to get reelected. Uh, they don't need to pander. Um, but they're still part of this machine that that kind of kind of drums up their opinions ahead of time. And uh, they need to comply with that or face face public scrutiny and wrath, um, which ultimately can't hurt them professionally. Right. Like they're they're going to be in those positions till they retire and they're going to retire with a very cozy you know, retirement plan. Yeah. So why can't they just do the right thing? You know, because I don't think they even had doing the right thing on their radar from the beginning. I'm not talking about all of them. There are some good Supreme Court justices on there. Um, your individual freedom is not to be scrutinized. I'd agree with you on that lunatic. That's not so loony. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did just look it up. Yeah, there were no Democrats who voted for, for either uh, Barrett or Kavanaugh. Okay. Well, good for them. You know- <clears throat> I find this whole situation very disturbing as a woman. Let me, I'm going to play the gender card here for a minute because, you know, as I see these TikTok videos and stuff come up of like these people only caring about you, you right now. And it shows all the, the Supreme court members, it's all men except for the one. And so there are men who have never needed to be in this predicament of, you know, whether your life is in danger and, you know, before anybody tries to come at me, I'm personally pro-life. I will advocate for life every day. I will work with, you know, try and work with people to find a better outlet than going for abortion. But I, I realized that what I want would do with my life isn't what someone else would want to do with theirs. And that the God that I talk to and believe in is not necessarily who they (laughs) believe in. And, you know, that's where I have to take myself out of my religious aspect of it and put myself in their shoes at the best of my ability. And um, I'm a mom. It took me three and a half years to get pregnant with my son. He is a fertility treatment baby, which is deemed wrong by some religions in itself. So I've had to do stuff that goes against some people's religions so that I could get my dream. And with that, I've also been called a murderer myself because we had frozen embryos. And when my ex-husband and I got, you know, separated and we're getting divorced, we still had seven embryos frozen and we had to decide what we were going to do with them because we were getting divorced. And they were, they were ended up being, you know, donated to science so that they could further, you know, learn more about IVF. But I basically terminated those pregnancies because those were fertilized embryos. They were five, six, seven days old. Like, it, you know, they weren't implanted in me, but there were people who were against the, the option I had to make because of the situation I was in. Now, yeah. that's not the same as someone who's been pregnant and, you know, and their pregnancy can kill them or it was a rapist and, and they're carrying the child. And, you know, it's not necessary. It's not exactly the same, um, but the consequences are are very similar in that you have to end 
the life of a fertilized embryo. And you're right, Adam, you know, when conception happens is, is up to a personal opinion. And I mean, obviously there's science that, you know, scientists that can dictate a little bit more. Um, and I have this internal struggle when I try and like justify when I feel like an abortion can happen and when it has to stop. And I feel like for me, that, that special number is like 21 weeks. Um, because a life can just be sustained outside of the womb with medical equipment at about 24 weeks. Um, my, my, a good friend of mine ended up having a child at 24 weeks, and now he is a pretty healthy nine, uh, nine or 10 year old. Um, he spent six months in the NICU, but you know, I feel like there has to be some government intervention, but I think that if we allow or, or Roe v. gets, you know, change or returned or whatever the wording is, I, I think we're leading to a, a handmaid's tale world. And it's yeah. terrifying as someone who's a woman yeah. <laughs> and seen that show. Yeah. There's, there's a lot there to uh, unpack. Yeah, I know. To unpack and process with you. Um, it's always a little weird to, to delve too deeply into the subject as, as somebody who does not have a uterus. I'll never bear a child. <laughs> Right. Uh, I'll never know what it's like to be forced to have another th being live within me. Um, but, you know, you mentioned science and science can give us a lot of answers on, on pretty morally neutral and gray things. But on some of the deeper questions of life, like where does life and personhood begin? Those are maybe not completely outside of the realm of, of scientific inquiry. There's definitely input to be had there. Uh, but ultimately, these are spiritual, philosophical, moral questions that, you know, we're, we're committed to for a whole host of, of reasons outside of just what science tells us. And where, where I come into this with, with some opinion that has some authority, I think, is what the Bible says, right? Um, people will argue the Bible says or Christianity teaches that life begins at conception, no such notion is found anywhere in the Bible. It's complete poppycock. Uh, the Bible is very clear that life begins with first breath. This was the ancient uh, Semitic belief shared by the, the ancient Israelites, as well as most of their neighbors, that life was synonymous with breath. The child comes into the world and takes its first breath and it is alive. I actually will butt in for one second. There was yes. actually a concept of, I mean, this is a different time back when most or many babies didn't survive, but at least in, in the Jewish religion of a baby, not, not, I shouldn't say not being a person, but not, not, um, not qualifying on the same level as a person until thir till 30 days had passed because that the, the very, very often that the babies didn't last that long. So, sorry, just to put yeah. that in. That seemed to fit what you were saying. Absolutely. Um, there, and, and we we think so much in terms of black and white, uh, where it's like it is, and then it isn't, uh, or it isn't, and then it is a person. When the the biblical view tends to favor more of a process uh, perspective, you know, when you look at the punishments in Old Testament law for. Uh, intentionally or unintentionally causing a miscarriage. The punishment for that is not the same. First of all, not the same as murder. Not even close. 
that's important. And second of all, uh, it, it's commensurate with how far along the pregnancy is. So there, there is a kind of a, a, a view here that there is a soul forming process in the womb as a, uh, a, a fetus's consciousness emerges, as it builds a bond with its mother, and as it comes into the world and draws its first breath, which, which I'll reiterate again, life in the Bible is synonymous with breath. When Jesus dies on the cross, it says he gave up the ghost. That's what the, you know, King James Version says. Uh, other, you know, more modern translations uh, give probably a more accurate. He breathed his last. Because in Hebrew, as well as in Greek, the word for spirit is the same word as breath and wind. That's that's very clear to me uh, and anybody else who has studied these languages that the that the breath is what appears to animate the human body and give it life. So when we cease breathing, we die. When we begin breathing, we are alive. Um, I don't necessarily, like as a person who is scientifically informed, hold to that biblical view as, <laughs> as like the only truth. I mean, I think personhood emerges with consciousness and, and no one's entirely certain when consciousness emerges in, in a fetus. If we could pinpoint that, then maybe we'd be on our way to a scientifically informed uh, definition of personhood. But even if we could accomplish that, we circle back to my initial point that a woman owns her body. Everyone owns their own body. And, and if the moment we decide we don't want something living inside of us anymore, we can make that decision. Right? Everyone should be allowed to make that decision. Probably the only useful contribution I've ever gotten out of the Mises Institute was uh, was a, a lecture by Walter Block on uh, <clears throat> reframing the question of abortion to a question about eviction. He said, at any point in time, a woman can evict the life form inside of her, not terminate it. Although sometimes at different stages of the pregnancy, those two things are synonymous. You can't evict the right. fetus without it dying. Uh Locke's opinion was that if we embrace that language, the pro-lifers would actually have a more favorable outcome in the end, because we would develop meant we would develop uh, 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 scientific technologies, medical technologies, to preserve the life of the fetus outside of the womb at an earlier and earlier age, until the point where so like, we're, we're only new world. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and we have we have some pretty incredible technologies towards that end. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a there's another question of then what happens if somebody if the woman doesn't want the baby, but that's a separate conversation. Really doesn't even it doesn't really depend on this yeah. one. So you know, I think what you were basically getting at, Adam, is that the the Bible kind of, from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, um, gives justification for a miscarriage or like the, the punishment, and everything. Yeah. Um, I, I, I TikTok is my life lately, guys. I'm sorry. I keep addressing <laughs> it, but, um, there's this pastor on there that is, is pro choice. And he alerted me to an old Testament, um, numbers five eleven through 31 about the test for an unfaithful wife yes. and how it addresses this specific topic about 
not have, you know, a, a wife who sleeps with another man and, and ends up pregnant or whatever. I didn't read it into verbatim, but I'm, I'm glad you it, bring it up because it's you know, literally, uh, it's literally a prescription to cause an abortion. Pretty much. If, if a yeah. woman was suspected of being unfaithful, which I mean, tragically enough, that also included uh, women who were um, raped. Right. Uh, there were specific know. criteria, though. It wasn't, yeah, but uh, yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, you you take these herbs, you put it in a potion, you, you sweep up dust from the temple floor, you pour it in there, you say some prayers, and you make the woman drink it. And if she miscarries, it's, it's evidence that she was unfaithful. Uh, and if she does not, it's evidence that she's faithful. I mean, it's bad science, but it was, you know, it's an ancient way well, of trying yeah. to, you know, but it, it speaks to the larger point that the Judeo-Christian worldview was not inherently against abortion. In fact, it prescribed it in certain circumstances. And it wasn't until Thomas Aquinas came along and uh, gave the theory of life at conception that the Catholic Church uh, took a very hardline stance against any kind of, uh, of terminating of the pregnancy, right, for any reason. Um, so that's Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas is a brilliant thinker, a lot of huge contributions to the Christian faith and to Western civilization in general. This was not one of his better contributions. So, so what you're saying is that, um, based, you know, based on our previous conversation, that some religious zealots, you know, adapt the, the wording of the Bibles or the, or the Quran, the Torah or whatever they want, you know, to address to, um, fit their agenda yeah absolutely yeah and i I can i can speak to that is i i I like to i like to use ben shapiro as an example ben shapiro is an orthodox jew who runs around essentially parroting a version of orthodox judaism that sounds a lot more like christianity than anything i know like or the the modern christianity for instance abortion he's he's very anti-abortion and now it's it's a something that people who are less educated in my community. I don't pretend to be an expert. Um, I'm not a rabbi. I'm not somebody who studies who studies this on a daily basis. But it's it's not. I've, I spoke I spoke about this before. It's it's not not at all black and white like Adam was saying before. Um, but not only it, it's a if anything we we skew the other way. Not to say we're we're running around looking to have abortions. Abortion is still something that's something to be avoided if at all possible. Mm-hmm. But if, if I, I, I will say a personal anecdote, I, I had a, had a close friend who was unfortunately raped. Um, and I, at the time I didn't know much about it. I spoke to my rabbi and I spoke, I was trying to, she, she didn't want to talk to anybody. She was understandably freaking out about it. Um, and I didn't know much about the topic because it wasn't something we studied much. And it was, I grew up kind of hearing the Christian philosophy of it, the, oh, never, it's horrible, it's the worst sin, it's murder. And then I came to understand not so much. It's a, in this, in, in this scenario, it's something that we got, it's not a simple thing, but it made sense for her. And that's what happened. And it's not something I, that I'm, that I discuss very often, or it's, but it, it, I don't want to say it changed my entire perception of it because I had I had some other I'd been learning about it a little bit. I growing up as like as a guy, it's not something I ever thought about, so I never had conversations about it. Uh, as an adult, I obviously had conversations about it, but that was the the central event that it was 
oh, wait a minute. I'm thinking about this whole, the, the whole, in completely the wrong way. And my education is lacking in this in a way that really is, I don't want to say a communal failure, but a, it's kind of left to the, well, we talk this way politically. So we just think that way religiously, even though the two do not, do not mesh at all. Right. I'm sorry, I'm rambling a little bit, but it was, it, yeah, it was no, you're fine. kind of a shock to me that it was so, and I still have these conversations and people are, people are shocked. How can you say that? I'm like, well, well maybe, maybe do a little bit of your own research into it. It's, it's not, I was actually very shocked. I was having a conversation with a Trumper friend of mine, um, family member actually, who said that, that he had this, that the, the correct position or the, the what I perceive to be the correct position. Anyway, the, the yeah, getting rid of Roe v. Wade is not a good thing. Uh, from the Jewish religious perspective and really stunned me because normally I say everything in lockstep on, and the Republicans say abortion is evil. So abortion is evil, but that's not the common, it's not a common thing that I see or hear. I like it, it stunned me enough to be like something I would mention that, Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think back to when I was a teenager and I was working at friendlies and one of the girls that I worked with, she got pregnant and she ended up having an abortion. And I remember looking her dead in the eye and was like, I hope you go to hell. <laughs> like, because that was, that was my opinion and, and my knowledge at the time of, you know, being 17 and ill-informed. And then I went through the fertility process and I was like, even more pro-life if, if, if possible, because I was like, there are people who are struggling just like me and they want to adopt babies, like just carry the baby. You don't have to keep it. Like, but then when I was put in that predicament of like, what do I do with these embryos? Like I realized that that was a decision. Like I, guys, like full disclosure, I considered having my ex soon to be ex-husband's babies because that's how pro-life in my head. <laughs> I was like, I hated this man. He had cheated on me and left me. And when I was pregnant and, I was still considering having his children more after the fact, because I just didn't want to discard these embryos, you know, but then I realized what needed to happen, you know, for my sanity, for the sanity of those children and, you know, the life that they could have had and everything that that was the best decision to make. Um, also I can't imagine what my life would be like with more of his kids. Uh, yeah. well, <laughs> but, um, to follow up on that, Christine, I mean, most people know I'm a foster father and, uh, I see so much of this in the rural white, predominantly poor communities of, of rural Northeastern PA of so many people who feel so compelled to keep the child, keep the pregnancy out of, out of some moral or religious obligation when they're nowhere near ready for it. And, and so many kids are born into situations that set them up for failure. And, and not every child gets a chance like my foster kids have gotten, uh, you know, so, so many just end up repeating the cycle and like, they they grow up hard they grow up poor they grow up you know with poor education poor mental health poor nutrition uh and then you know they make bad decisions and end up getting pregnant or getting other people pregnant and they like well my parents did it you know and they just repeat the cycle and it, it keeps multiple generations of children grow up into adults in in really tragic and desperate circumstances 
So I hear a lot of my colleagues, you know, uh, in the clergy uh, who, who say things like, well, no one likes abortion. Abortion's always a tragedy, but, you know, it still should be up to a woman to make that determination for herself. And sometimes I feel like that's just too weak for me. Like, abortion is a medical miracle. Like, it, it is yeah. a medical miracle. It's thank God there are ways in which a person can take ownership of their own destiny and, and their own future and, and spare, you know, maybe break that cycle of, of another generation just spun into poverty and misery. Like, if you don't plan for your kid, like, I almost feel like the responsible choice is to abort and wait till you are ready and you have a plan. That's not to say that unplanned children, you know, can't have a good life. I was unplanned. I came out of nowhere. I was the reason my parents got married. Right. So like, uh, you know, we can't change the past. And, and, you know, uh, in my faith, I believe God can work wonderful situations out of uh, less than ideal circumstances. But if we're given the ability to have some mastery over this, if we're given the ability to plan our uh, family lineage and our offspring and choose the time in which to start that when we're ready, both emotionally, financially, physically, all of the above. Uh, how is that not better for everybody involved? If, if there is some planning I, and some intentionality behind it. I would just like to address this really quick as a woman. That's a weird, what? Do you know why women are empowered to control their body? Because for decades and centuries, we've been raped. We've been abused. We've been baby factories. We've been put in the kitchen and told what to do. And we got fed up. And as generations came and they saw how the previous generation was treated, we decided that we were done. And that's why you see women becoming louder, more confident, more outspoken, and women's right movements. Because... You know, my grandmother had six kids. My grandfather and her father and his father raped my grandmother. And that is not the gener that is not the society and the things that I want to bring my child into. So I stand up and I fight for those women who have been treated that way. I don't think the market has created women being empowered. I think crappy men who do crappy shit have created women being empowered to control their own bodies. And I'm off my um, soapbox. Ozzy. <laughs> also, I mean, scientifically, uh, we're, the baby's growing in, the, in you. It's not growing in me. I'm a guy. It, so, I mean, yes, I, there's the argument to say it's 50-50, but it's it's not it's not in that aspect. I, I The exact yeah, that a man has to make are not the same. It's just not. Hold on a second, because he said something. This guy said something. Let me get up there. Let me see. My mouse is not working. He said something about how he is, here he is, I own half that life, according to the state, with no rights as a human man. You don't own half that life because, again, we have not established that life begins at conception, right? That's not your child. That is a clump of fetal tissue that happens to be living inside of the woman you made pregnant also great um, without the uh, without the the owner of the other 50 percent, what exactly do you have now and you said you have a couple of fetal tissues sitting on sitting on the under table you don't have anything which yeah which would not survive without that woman's Obviously. body yeah. giving it nutrients and air and 
and a, a warm place to sleep and kick around. And, you know, it's not, you know, as I think more about this and we talk and about science, you know, and how, you know, a, a abortion is a medical, you know, miracle that we're able to help save women's lives. You want to talk about being pro-life. We're saving women's lives in a lot of these cases. Yes. I'm not naive. I know some of these people, some of these women use abortions as a way to birth control and, you know, things like that. I'm not, I'm not stupid. I know that people manipulate the system. They do it with everything. Cover, sorry to cut you off. There's a separate conversation about birth no, you're control fine. and why it's, why it's set up different. It's different than, than uh, condoms or why, why it's so not, it's not an easy, easily accessible thing. Why it's restricted in some places that, that, that conversation is if you if you want to have the conversation about abortion, you should really yes. have that one first. It's like, well, you don't want to have abortions. There is an easy, easy well, way to not have abortions. On top of that, why don't we add why women are the ones who are being held accountable for all of right. this? Why do women need to do the birth control? Why do women get punished if they have an abortion or a miscarriage? Because guys, let me tell you, in the medical coding books, an abortion and a miscarriage are coded as the same thing. So whether you have an abortion or a miscarriage, when all of our privacy rights are taken away, because now the government can look into our medical history, um, they're going to see um, this code and just assume that it's an abortion. And then what? this is a rabbit hole that I've been down and I just, it's, you know, a lot of states don't allow felons to vote. So what happens when you make abortion illegal? and you add charges of manslaughter or whatever to it. Now these people ha are felons. Now we're getting back to women not being able to vote. And now we're going back a whole century. Yeah. And they're like, felons, this they're is felons not, because they had a miscarriage or an ectopic pregnancy. So, yeah. so they had an abortion, which is, it, as you said, it's medically coded as an abortion. I, friends and family members, of, that's happened to it's It's not an uncommon thing. It's not something that's talked about very much. But I'm sure you know it, it's quite yeah. common. And that's, well, it is the exact same thing. Well, and what happens when, you know, this is a very slippery slope of losing so many rights, attaching so many criminal charges to so many things that should not be criminal charges. You know, we talk about how abortion is a medical miracle. Well, cesareans, and he talked about his, how his wife had a cesarean, cesareans are a medical miracle too. So what yeah. happens when they dub that that child is not actually a birth of this country or something? And, and it is a tagline. I know it's street extreme, but I mean, let's look at the situation we're here. You know, there are many women who don't consider the fact that I had a cesarean, meaning that I gave birth to a child. I had a cesarean because my child was in, in crisis when I was 32 weeks pregnant and I was bleeding. He needed to be removed in the quickest way possible. And that was a cesarean. So what happens when we go on this slippery slope and now miscarriages are being labeled as abortions and women are being charged and people with IVF who discard embryos are being charged with felonies. What happens if, you know, cesarean is now considered not a true way and they want the woman to have birth or die because it so, so this is this is really important to remember that this particular uh, uh, result of this this global resurgence of radical right wing reactionary politics, this is only the tip of the iceberg. Like if they win this fight, you know what they're going to go for next. There's a whole list of agenda items that the reactionary right would like to accomplish, and so. 
Roe v. Wade kind of stands as the first domino. And I saw like a meme that, that kind of portrayed it this way. Um, the first domino. And, and if it falls, what's next? Gay marriage, uh, you know, gay adoption rights. Um, you know, if you don't think this affects you the, down the road, this this could affect you. You know, conservative women who think that abortion should be illegal might find themselves later down the road deprived of essential liberties that they currently enjoy and believe they should enjoy. Because when the reactionaries start getting their way, you know, they'll partner with you one day and then stab you in the back the next. Right. And so with, with that, you know, Christine, I do have to jump off here in a minute because I have another meeting. I'm actually on the convention, not the, the, um, the, uh, what do you call it? The awards committee for the LNC. And so we're, we're <laughs> determining, uh, you know, who's going to win some awards at the upcoming convention. Um, Tom Woods, you can win. Ah, you beat to it. it. That's the, exactly what I was going to say. It's one of the, one of the last, one of the last committees that's uh, predominantly populated by sane people, sane and decent people. Oh, so, so not uh, Dave Smith. Okay. Awesome. Before Adam gets off here, what were you going to say when he um, cut you off? I was going to piggyback on a couple things he said. I, we, it, Roe v. Wade, uh, getting rid of or overturning Roe v. Wade doesn't automatically make abortion abortion illegal. But there are states, there are a couple dozen states, I believe, with with laws on the books right now, including some new ones, that if you went and talked to anybody, and most people, I should say, 90% of people, and said, hey, should having a miscarriage be a felony? They'd, of course, say no. But these laws don't have carve-outs for them in most for in most cases. They don't have a carve-out for miscarriages. They don't have a carve-out for ectopic pregnancies. They don't have carve-outs for for rape or mental health issues. All the things that most people in, in various in various ways would say, of course, or probably, depending on what, what specific issue, they they'd be on board. But that's not what's going to happen. Is what's going to happen is the or what's already happened. And I think it was Mississippi just rambling through just. Just it's illegal. I passed whatever eight weeks, four weeks. Uh, the immediately they, there there isn't nuance because this is politics, and politics has no nuance. So they're just going to ban it completely. Yeah, Oklahoma charged a woman with a miscarriage, and I believe there was drugs involved, but she had a miscarriage, and they charged her with uh, manslaughter. I believe. Um, right, just, it's yeah, crazy. It's just a big slippery slope. Um, Adam, if, if do you want to add anything before you have to go? I just want to thank you for having me on again. It's always fun talking with you, Christine and Ozzy. Great to see you. Uh, see you Adam. It's been entirely too long. You know, we're going to have to get has. together one of these days. Um, next time I'm down in Maryland area, I'll, I'll let you know. We'll, we'll connect. But, um, thank you both for the conversation and uh, I'll see you all soon. Yes. Thank yeah. you. So as definitely. Oh, less knowledgeable. Yes, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> No, go ahead. I was going to give you the floor. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm definitely less knowledgeable than Adam. Um, on the political side and the religious side, I'm, I mean, he's an actual, he has an actual religious position. I don't. But, um, so I don't know how much of how much of me rambling you want to hear. But No, you're you're fine. I And I don't think that, you know, him having a position in his church necessarily, you know, makes him more experienced or more, in, you know, knowledgeable of situations. I mean, your faith, it requires a lot of dedication and um you know as a christian you know there's like levels of commitment right. <laughs> you can well, do none of, of them require there's levels of commitment in judaism <laughs> and even among orthodox judaism what, what levels of commitment but i, I actually 
jump completely to a different topic. That's something I had in my mind from earlier that I didn't say. In a, in a way that in a way that libertarians should understand it, we talk about people being able to put whatever they want in their body, and that the state shouldn't regulate what people put in their body. So how is this any different than legalizing marijuana, legalizing all drugs? It, it's the same thing. And I, I personally have never even smoked weed. I know that makes me a nerd or whatever. Yeah, okay. But um, I, but it's something that I think everybody should have the right to do because it doesn't it, it affects me. Unless I'm unless yeah. I get on take meth and crash a car or something. But then the, the crashing the car is the problem, <laughs> not the meth. Yeah. So it's funny you say that because like when Adam said that people, people don't like abortion. No, no one likes, right. I, I, I mean, 99% not, not of people. Not anybody I'd want to have a conversation with most likely. Yeah. Yeah. 90, let's say, let's give a, a more realistic, but 98%, 99% right. of people don't like abortion. Okay. I can almost guarantee that same amount of people don't like addiction. Right. Don't like obese, you know, like the health concerns that come with obesity and stuff. You know, no one likes these things, but we understand that some people have a need in, in one way or another for these things. You know, that's why we want to legalize and decriminalize drugs, because we understand that there's a mental health aspect to addiction that is not solved by incarcerating someone. You know, it's it's not it's not solved by that. It's solved by them being able to get the help they need without fear of any kind of punishment necessarily. You know, you know, it's the same with sex work, you know, um, women are afraid to come forward about rape and everything because they work in the sex field and it's deemed as inappropriate and illegal and everything like that. But if we were to legalize it, allow consenting adults to do consenting things, who cares if I, if I, you know, someone gets 20 bucks for something they would have given away for free. Like right. and, and you mentioned the mental health aspect with, with drugs. That's, that's an aspect that doesn't get talked enough with abortion. Mm-hmm. Even if I don't have, even if I, I, even, well, not me, obviously, but even if a woman wasn't raped or isn't, isn't in physical danger, there are cases where, well, a rape is actually an example of this. For them, for in some ways, the the mental health. If they're not like Adam was saying before, if they're not prepared to have a baby, them having a baby is yeah. harmful to themselves and to the baby and to people around uh-huh. them. Um, get another Casey Anthony. Yeah, you get you get that. You've got postpartum depression. You've got not yeah not taking care of your kid. For Casey Anthony, is an extreme example, but um, not <laughs> if you don't take proper care of a child, you're you're damaging that child for life. Even if yeah. they do survive and are physically healthy, you're damaging their emotional health, and they're they're most likely not going to be the the a good I don't say not a good person, but they're not going to be the the best person they can be because they were underfed or they didn't get the proper care or love. They're you're, you're not you're not setting up something positive, and that I mean you're you're essentially causing the thing you're trying to prevent by saying well abortion's illegal because we have to sanctify life, but you're causing life that is not that's not pleasant not positive and is probably not going to lead to is gonna is more likely to lead to less positive things so like two points one you know i don't know if you've watched any of these like senate debates and you know people talking in inside you know the senate houses or i don't know where they are to be frank but you know notes on twitter i don't have the patience to sit there and listen to these for eight hours I've seen little bits and pieces on TikTok. And um, you know, one lady, this is a woman, said the the person who was raped 
who wants to have an abortion because they don't want to carry their rapist child, which side notes, most states don't have victims, you know, uh, laws in place. Right. They still have to co-parent with that rapist. Be that's just a, throwing that out there. Yeah, that's another, they, another they issue. For, throw it in the pot. They ask... They ask for state assistance. You have to list who the father is and then they get contacted right. and now they're fighting for custody and you have to deal with the rapist. That aside, the person, this woman said that, you know, if this girl wants to get an abortion because she was raped because of the mental health aspect, that mental issue is still going to be there whether she has the baby or not. So she might as well still have the baby. And I'm like, um, no, that's not how this that's works. That's not how any of that because works. If I get raped and I get pregnant, which wouldn't happen with me because of fertility problems anyway, but if I were to get raped and get pregnant, I, I can't, I can't imagine, first of all, that, that position you're in just morally and mentally to have to even become comfortable with the saying, I need, I need to abort this child, you know, right. but if you were to carry that child, like aborting right. it, you can work through, you can work through having to come up with that decision. You can work through the legality of maybe charging that rapist and putting him behind bars and becoming to terms right. with that. But if you carry that child to term, you now have to look at that face every day. And what if he, I'm fortunate, my child looks more like me than his father. <laughs> but, you know, what if that child looks just like his father? And now you have to stare at this child and, and it turns into, you know, kind of what you were saying you could be resentful of this child yeah, and it could absolutely. lead to neglect. It could lead to abuse that what kind of life is it for that child? And on the flip side, what kind of life are we bringing these children of any yeah. kind of sort into this world with thousands of dollars in debt? The moment they are born, you know, inflation and the healthcare system and educational system. If we cared about children and lives, we would be addressing all of this yeah, now so that these children have a better life. I mean, that kind of gets out of the scope of the conversation, but you're, you're definitely not wrong. Um, it's also, I mean, you're, you're addressing that. Yeah. You have to, you, the, for the woman there, imagine spending the rest of your life looking at that face, like you said, and mm -hmm. of course, of course, if you have a, a, a abortion, you, you have, it's, it takes a physical toll and you have to think about it for the rest of your life, but it's not, there's no physical manifestation of it beyond whatever, whatever, uh, whatever it leaves behind. It's, it goes away in a way that having a kid does not go away. You, you said you have a kid, I have two. They don't go away. And do I love not. them to death, but they're always there. And and they're in the bathroom. Like, they're literally always <laughs> yeah. there. Like, they don't go away. Nope. <laughs> you should hear my wife. I, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm not I'm not mommy. So they, they're, when I go to the bathroom, I get more likely to get peace and quiet. Not yeah, you probably do get more. Mom, I, I don't. I, I do not get even if I'm getting a shower. It's mom, mom. I need this. <laughs> uh, okay, find it. I'm naked. <laughs> Figure it out for yourself. Like I'm on the can. Please leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> he he came it was totally off subject. He came around the corner the other day to show me something. I was like, no, I'm on the toilet. Like go away. Yeah, go away. Go away. I love you. I love you so much. You are my entire world. But at this moment, I need to pee in, in, in peace. So I have a 20 month old who doesn't really understand that. And it's, it's very sad because, like, I can't really tell her to go away because she doesn't really know. My, my three year old, almost four year old, it, it understands when she feels like it. 
She used to do something very funny. She did this to my wife a couple times. My wife wouldn't let her in the bathroom, and she sat down on the floor and started singing, we used to be best buddies, but now we're not. The song, the song from Frozen. <laughs> she told me that I was dying. It's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. But, it, it, yeah, it's it. They're, they're always present. And it's, yeah, that to, to force somebody to do that and bear that permanent reminder of that permanent reminder of um, of what happened to you. That's that that's horrific. You're making you're you're making you, the, the woman relive that every single day. Yeah. I mean, it's not nearly the same thing, you know. But I live in the marital home that my ex and I shared, and you know, I get Facebook pops or you know, there's a hole in the wall, and my son goes, "How did this get here?" And I have to tell him daddy punched it you know and so like i still have to relive moments from when i was married with him because they come up in daily conversations um and that's i mean there were good moments of my of my marriage but you know inevitably he left when i was 13 weeks pregnant um so there's a lot more downside and you know afterwards (laughs) i realized that there was emotional and mental abuse and stuff like that but you know it's I still have to relive a lot of those moments, right. not nearly as often as someone, you know, who's raped and had to have an abortion or kept the baby and, you know, what have you, but there's still a mental toll on it. And I, I can't, I, I know what I personally go through and I can't imagine the 100 times worse because inevitably that's what it would be for someone in that situation. And it's just really frustrating when I listen to all these people making these decisions who don't know what the hell they're talking about. Like this one guy was like, if the egg gets fertilized, but doesn't implant, would she be charged? Be in the, in the child and the baby went implant because in theory, birth control would do its job. Right. Right. And he was like, that would be terminating the pregnancy. So yes, that would not be it. Which is not how and it was like, works. I'm like, you know, right. and birth control fails. My sister right. was 15 when she had her first child wow. and 18 when she had her second and 21 when she had her third. And on most of those cases, she was on the depot shot. So she, or she had the little thing in her arm. So it was like literally put in her to keep her from getting pregnant. And now she's 33 years old with four kids, you know? just because you try. And that's the other thing, you know, we talked, I talked about it earlier, you know, women being accountable. I heard this, this, this statement and I was like, this is genius. Okay. Women are the ones who are held accountable. We have, you know, birth control is usually put on us and you know, all of that stuff. Women can only get pregnant once every nine, 10 months, however long the pregnancy lasts. Right. Once men can, procreate with whoever they want every day, multiple times a day of the week and could, you know, in in theory, because they keep creating sperm, get someone pregnant like every day or once a week. So in theory, they could have anywhere from one kid a year to 300 and some kids a year. Right. So why are women the ones being held accountable when a a vasectomy is reversible? I'm all going to (laughs) say. Yeah, I mean, there's no real way to argue with that. It's it's a the reason it the reason it's that way is because it defaulted that way because well that's that's where the baby men were is. making the rules. 
Right. And then well, we're making then, the rules. Then we're making the rules of the baby. Well, it's your problem because you have the baby. And it's like, but that that's not that's not a logical or moral way of thinking about it. Um and it's my problem and, until I want to get rid of it, and then you make it your problem. Right. And then it's, then it's no, you can't not and, you, obviously. Yeah. How does that work? Right. That, that that doesn't those those two those two things don't go together. Either it's either it's yours or it's not. Right. And the answer was basically, well, it's yours up, yeah, like you said, up until the point where you don't want it anymore, and then it's then it's not yours, which is the most illogical thing you can think of. I, I mean, there's all there, there's a family planning aspect of it. I, I I don't know. I wish Adam was still on for this. I, I don't know the the Christian or Catholic or or in his case, uh, or no, you you said you're Lutheran. Lutheran. I'm Methodist. Oh, he's, he's sorry, Lutheran. he's Lutheran. I don't know what the what the take on birth control is, or it may depend on which which group you ask. But family planning is part of life for most people, and it's something that uh, I mean, it's a personal decision. But it's also, in in my case, it's something I discussed with with my rabbi and with my wife, obviously. But that's that is something you do. I don't want to have twenty kids. I I love kids, yeah. and I'd like to have more than the two I have, but I don't want to have twenty of them. So well, you 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 can and people do make that argument. Well, that's that's abortion. What, what I mean, what are we doing here? We don't. We definitely don't want everybody to have twenty kids because there's a long list of problems with that. I mean, at a certain point, you let people make their own decisions, and they're for the most part going to make the ones that make the most sense for them, their families, and the the world as a whole. Really. So I believe, from my understanding, it's it's a it's more of. I hope I don't offend anyone. You know what? I actually don't care. Um, I think it's more of the of the more like streamline hardcore religion, like aspects mm-hmm. of Christianity, like the Catholics and the Mormons and the Jehovah's. Well, the those, kids, right? Yeah, the people who you know want to procreate a lot. I think that those are. I know the Catholic faith, um, from my understanding, is against fertility treatments. It's against birth control. It believes that God is has a divine intervention and will do right. with you as He sees fit with your vessel. Um, you know, the Methodist. I've never heard any kind of don't take birth control. That I've ne- I've never uh-huh. in my almost thirty five years of life have heard anything even remotely close to that. Um, in fact, my father put me on birth control when I was younger, like 15, not because I was, you know, promiscuous or anything, but because of the hormone balancing aspect of it for Mm -hmm. a teenager who was having hormone imbalances. So, you know, and we were very, you know, I like to say we were a religious family, church on Sunday, Sunday school, grandmother gave just as much to the church as she paid in bills a month. Um, so (laughs) (laughs) Um, they lost a large donor when she passed. Um, but I, I think it's more of like, yeah, the Jehovah, the Catholic, the Mormon, the, I can't think of some other one, like those larger, maybe Baptist. I don't know. What's that? I said maybe the Baptist. I don't don't know. know. They're Southern. So they, I don't know. I can say I grew up, I had classmates who were one of 10 or 12 siblings, but that was the family choice. That wasn't a, well, anybody who does this is evil. It was alongside me and I, and I had three siblings and people in my, in my, I grew up with who had one or two siblings. Now more was tended to be the, the more than one or two tended to be the norm in my community, but it wasn't like, well, everybody needs to have six, seven, eight, or you're doing something wrong. You need to do what you can afford, what you can handle mentally, what you can handle what like what what will be healthy for everybody? 
that's that's the biggest part of it. Um, I lost. I had a I had a thought I wanted to bring in, and I lost the train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> well, no, you're fine. I can't imagine having like I have friends who have four kids and five kids. Like I have one. Um, my my husband, I am remarried. My husband and I considered you know trying fertility treatments to get pregnant and everything, and with cust with co parenting and custody mm-hmm. schedules over here, and my husband's health issues over here, and just our life in general and the things that we want to do like politics and I'm the PTO president and soccer coach and stuff. We just didn't. We realized that bringing another child into this world wouldn't be beneficial to that right. child. Um, and I see the schedule and and the expenses of one kid. And that's one reason why I do the work that I do. I'm a substitute in our school district so that I have a flexible schedule to do appointments and all of the other stuff. I can't imagine having multiples. Um, I can't imagine I have two, even though that's way common. I would probably adjust. But my one of my best friends has four, four girls, nonetheless. So, you know, you think about college and then weddings and all of that, like it's, it's mind boggling to me and they all play sports. So there's all those tournament fees and, and right. season fees. And it's just, I'm like, how do you, how do you do it? Because like, I can barely do it with me and my husband both working and we got one kid, let alone four or five. It's I say, I in have, our society now. I just don't think it's reasonable. I mean, it, it, it can be, it can't be, it depends on, it depends on how you live. And I'm not, not here to say yeah. anybody needs to have kids at all or many kids Uh, my parents have neighbors who have 10 kids and the oldest is uh, 21 10 kids in the span of like 15 16 17 years and and yeah i don't know how they did it now the oldest kids kind of took care of the younger kids and my parents block was half a dozen kids running around the street it's a little cul-de-sac so it wasn't that big a deal and my youngest sister ran around with with them because she was their age um I don't know how they do it, but that's their choice the same way it's your choice to not have more yeah. kids or somebody else's choice to not have kids. And that's the same and kind of comes back to the same conversation with abortion. It's the choice. Even yeah. if it's not a pleasant <laughs> choice or one we, we look to and say, hey, this is the ideal situation here. It still has to be, it still has to come down to this is what's right for me, my family, and ultimately the the person who I'd be bringing into this situation who it wouldn't be, who it would not benefit. When I think, you know, when we get down to libertarian philosophy, because while I'm not a member of the LP, I still believe in the libertarian philosophy as it was originally made, not what it's being shifted into. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, When it comes down to the libertarian philosophy of it, you know, libertarians believe that the government shouldn't be involved. Should the government? And the answer is always no. Right. And what is being had right now is, should the government be in this? And the answer should be no. And what is right. happening is that the government is inserting themselves. Right. Whether you yeah. believe it or not, that abortion is good or bad, that's irrelevant at this point. You know, it, it's really about, do you think the government should have a say in this? Because if you do, your gun rights are next. Right. You know, your health care is next. Your privacy is next. The, it is a really bad slippery slope. And it's, it's falling on the, the necks. It, it's the boots on the necks of women, as, as Ruth right. would like to say, you know, that is taking the hit initially. And it, it's, it's not going to go anywhere good. I'll be very clear about this. Well, this is a nice 
shade of orangish red. I do <laughs> not look good in apple red and a white bonnet. And I will break down shit and be a rebel. That's why we have the rebel. guns, right? Yeah, that's why we have the guns. Um, I'm not looking to live in a handmaid's tale. I don't know if you've seen that show. Have you seen it, Ozzy? I, I've seen bits and pieces of it. My wife enjoys it. I can't understand why she enjoys it, but she, she does. So, I think that you want to talk about the market empowering women. That show, I could argue, yeah, it helps to empower women. <laughs> Her body in control of their body right. that I can get on board with, you know, there's, I'm not a big reader. I can't stand reading to be honest. One of the books I've, the, one of the only books that I've ever freely read was the brave new world. And when I, have you read that book? I have not, but I'm familiar with it. Okay. Um, I read it a long time ago, but you know, those kind of images of people living in a zoo and people coming, walking by, right. seeing how our society lived and children being raised or being born in outside wombs and none of them having a mother or father and people just or just having sex with whoever they want to, you know, th those images and thoughts don't really leave your brain. Right. And so as we, as, as we as society move forward, and we, and then you see Handmaid's Tale, and you you see the way that the society is projecting to go. It's really terrifying. And I, I said this with Spike last week. You know, we joke about how 1984 is becoming fruition, right? Like a lot of the spying and whatever. I, again, don't, not super familiar with the asp like the actual content of it. But Brave New World is coming to be. Handmaid's Tale. Uh, uh, the premise of Handmaid's Tale is that society as a whole starts not being able to pro to, right, to reproduce. Children and, yeah. Yeah. And so they find that they end up finding the women that have had children and basically kidnap them. Right. And then forcing and them force to them bear the into, children of the party yeah. officials or whatever, whatever it is. Of, of the rich, of the elite. Yeah. Right. And, and then they, they take that child and claim it as their own. Right. And um, the women who cannot bear children are, are like the maids, like the actual Right. maids versus the vessels for their child and it's a whole ceremony and stuff and i've only done season one or two because i t got too busy with running campaigns and stuff mm -hmm. <laughs> but um you know i see you know we've got the formula shortage right now um which apparently is going to be fixed here soon because one of the plants can now make or something i don't know but you know i see a lot of people getting pregnant but I also see a lot of people struggling with fertility more than I saw back then when I was right. dealing with it. And, you know, when you buy a new car, you always see that car right. everywhere. Right. So when I was dealing with fertility, I kept seeing it, you know, fertility issues I kept seeing, but I feel like I'm seeing way more now of people asking me, who did you go to? What did sentiments did you take? <laughs> Things like that. And I, I really feel like, we're leading there. And this is just another, another step in that way of going to that kind of societal right. aspect. I, I have, I have a, a, a kind of a different van to take this. Um, I'm a, I'm, I'm Jewish. So Jew, yeah. the Jewish history is a history of being persecuted and thrown out of places. And what happened, what, what happened in every single situation was the government decided, Hey, we want to, we want to throw out, Ozzy, are you still there? 
Okay, guys, I think we lost Ozzy, or maybe you lost me. Uh, we'll see if he comes back here. If you're still watching, you know, as we wait to see if we get Ozzy back, if you can hear me, let me know. <laughs> um, and, or if it's Ozzy that's frozen, because everything's moving on my aspect. Um, you know, let me know your thoughts about tonight's uh, conversation, uh, how you feel about Roe v. Wade and abortion. Yep, we lost Ozzy. Um, you know, this is not a comfortable conversation to be had. Uh, it is not an easy conversation to be had, but it's a necessary conversation. And here sorry he is. Sorry about that. My Hello my again. Being weird. Um, sorry to interrupt you. Finish what you're you, saying, obviously. No, I was just, I was just, you know, talking while <laughs> we were waiting to see if you joined us. I was just saying that this is not a comfortable conversation. This is not a, a conversation anybody wants to have, but it's a necessary conversation to be had when it's a, it's, I hate using, keep using the slogan, but it's a slippery slope of, of a violation on all of our rights and freedoms. That's kind of what I was getting at. I, I like I said, I'm, I'm Jewish, and that's that's how it's always started with uh, to, to go with the extreme Nazi Germany. It didn't start with them rounding that rounding up the Jews and throwing them the, into camps. It it started with well, you can't operate this kind of business. You can't live in this part of town. You can't use the bank. Things that well echo the Handmaid's Tale in a way. And it, it never leads somewhere positive. Now, I'm not saying that make, that overturning Roe v. Wade is going to end up with people and women in death camps, but there's never a positive thing that happens from rights being stripped from people. It's, it's not a thing that's well, ever happened in in the history of the world. So maybe not death to, camps, but what? they're going to definitely end up. Maybe not death camps, you know, anytime in the foreseeable future, but prisons. I mean, we're, right. we're well, already yeah, seeing we, it in we, Oklahoma with the miscarriage sure, and stuff. Insane. It's just, it's an intense conversation and I would love to have you on again, Ozzy, as this whole situation kind of lays out and we get more information of what's going to happen. Um, you know, religion is a huge aspect of my life. I identify as a Christian first and then a libertarian because I think that my Christian views have helped shape me into my political views. Um, and I... I like to argue with other Christians who are like, Jesus would be a, a, a Republican. I'm like, no, he wouldn't. <laughs> First of all, he wouldn't be in any organized political party. Yeah, <laughs> and that if kind he of were, purpose there. Right. Yeah. And if he were, he would he would follow the libertarian philosophy because don't you remember he flipped tables and he <laughs> took in the adulteress into his arms and like, you know, so... <laughs> But I, I like having these conversations. I like pushing the envelope with, some, you know, on something. Um, I, I think that these conversations aren't had as often as they should with a diverse group. And I love that Adam reached out and got you in here. And I, I look forward to creating a, a friendship with you and a conversation and everything. Um, because I want to, and that's why I, I told the lunatic that I would love to have him on because he says he's a Norse pagan. And while I may not understand that, right. I have a friend who is a Wiccan, you know, I understand that there's other religions out there and, and they have value. Um, and I want to learn about them and I want to learn how that affects 
um, how people build their political views too, because I think that helps us understand our whole country and world as a whole and how things evolve and transpire. Yeah, absolutely. I can't, can't find anything to argue with in that. That's <laughs> very well said. Thank you so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. And great to meet you. If you, it was great meeting. If you want to hang on, I'm going to do my wrap up and then I want to talk to you for a real quick second off air, yeah, if that's absolutely. cool. Um, so I'll do the wrap up. And again, thank you so much for being on. Thank you. So guys, that was Liberty 101. I hope you took something from tonight, um, whether it be a religious aspect of abortion and Roe v. Wade and, and what consequences this could have um, and a new outlook on the way to perceive and, and view abortion. Abortion is not a good thing, but in a lot of cases, it's a necessary thing. And we will lose a lot of rights, maybe not immediately, but definitely will happen down the road if this is overturned. Take all of this information into consideration as you form your opinion on the situation. That's all we ask is for you to be informed and inform others. So until next time, next week, which I'm hoping to have an education aspect of things on, I look forward to talking to you and I hope you guys have a great week. Um, tomorrow's primary day. Make sure you get out there if, to vote if you are a Republican and Democrat. I apologize if you are, but get out and vote. And if you're Keystone, Libertarian, Green Party, Pirate Party, get out there, collect your signatures to help get those candidates on the ballot. I know I personally will be at a polling place for most of the day tomorrow. So until then, have a good night and stay healthy.